This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now on a visit to Japan last month, Joe Biden uh, held a press conference at which he was asked, perhaps in the context of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, if the United States was prepared to intervene militarily if China ever made a move to attack Taiwan. And Biden's response was, yes, that's what we are committed to doing. It caused uh, some considerable surprise because there is no formal agreement that the U.S. would intervene. The same day, Chinese foreign ministry spokesman said if the U.S. continues to go down the wrong path, the U.S. will have to pay an unbearable price. And later that day, the Chinese and Russians flew a joint nuclear bomber exercise uh, quite close to Japan. So tension arose as a result of something Biden said. A tension, of course, that has always been there because China feels very strongly that Taiwan uh, is their part of their uh, nation. We're joined now from Taiwan by William Yang, a journalist and a very valued contributor by the stand. William, let me ask you first about Biden's response to that question. How surprised were you and how surprised were others in in Taiwan? I think uh, it didn't really actually come as a huge surprise because this is actually not the first time that he uh, has made a similar statement like that before. Uh, I think earlier this year during a town hall with uh, CNN back in the U.S., he was asked a similar question and his answer has actually been pretty consistent coming from him personally, uh, you know, on, on the issue of the hy- hy- hypothesis that when China militarily attacks uh, Taiwan, whether the U.S. will uh, come to defend Taiwan or not. And he has consistently said yes. So I think it actually rather came as a reassurance in a way, because uh, a sitting U.S. president has not actually made such a comment in 
I think uh, repeated re- re- repeatedly uh, in public and on the record uh, for you know like I, I think he is actually the first one. So a lot of the uh, analysis uh, were focusing on whether this is actually a sign that the U.S. is actually ready to officially. Uh, pivot away from its traditional uh, policy on Taiwan uh, re- when it comes to the issue of involving a potential attack from China. But then, you know, I think soon after that, uh, there were a string of uh, walkback uh, yes. by top U.S. officials. First uh, is Anthony Blinken during his uh, big China policy speech, and then uh, by uh, Lloyd Austin just this past weekend in Singapore uh, at the uh, Shangri-La Dialogue, which is uh, one of the most important, uh, I think, defense, uh, I think, meeting uh, around the world. So I think uh, with all these uh, signals being combined together, most of the experts agree that the U.S. has not actually changed uh, its policy on Taiwan. But uh, there is definitely a lot more, uh, I think, clear clarity when it comes to where the United States stands when it comes to uh, assisting Taiwan to build up its defense and also in the threat uh, coming from China. Yes, and I mean, of course, it all, it all depends on who is president of the United States, where China to ever make that move, and the possibility that Donald Trump may return in 2024 as president would change the game considerably. To what extent has the Russian offensive in Ukraine and indeed the nature of it, the barbaric nature of it, changed minds of the Taiwanese people, and indeed may well have changed uh, attitudes in China as well. I think uh, what has really led to, you know, a major shift uh, in the mentality here in Taiwan among the people is uh, actually the ability of uh, Ukrainians uh, to put up a fight on their own yes. without any outside support, because we all know that um, all countries, uh, even neighboring countries, have made it really clear that they are not going to get militarily involved. But what they are willing to do is to continue to supply uh, Ukrainians with uh, very advanced weapons and the uh, you know to. But so I, I think that has actually already uh, reflected uh, in the rising number of Taiwanese people actually uh, receiving some sort of combat training over here, uh, you know, get, uh, whether it's uh, ammunition uh, usage or like whether it's the government's policy of adjusting its uh, training for the reserve, reserve military uh, and also the talk in discussion about uh, length, like I think lengthening the length of uh, the military service over here in Taiwan. So these are actually, I think, rather than, you know, the uh, attack coming from Russia, the response from Ukraine is more important in playing a more, uh, I think, decisive role over here in changing people's mindset about uh, Taiwan's self-defense ability. The Chinese in Launching, for example, uh, an exercise where a nuclear bomber in a joint military effort with Russia goes on maneuvers uh, close to Japan. The fact that uh, just two weeks before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, he was in Beijing at the Olympic uh, ceremony and, and appeared close 
to President Xi, the feeling many people got was that both China and Russia have sensed in the West that it is it is weak, that there are divisions, and in the case of the United States, for example, that the Trump presidency and the way it ended would encourage China and Russia to be bold, to do something that really would have been unthinkable five years ago. Right. Uh, indeed, I think uh, that, that, that is definitely the consensus. But I think uh, the encouraging sign uh, over the last two months uh, over here in Indo-Pacific is uh, the surprising, uh, I think, change of attitude uh, yes. in Japan. Because Japan traditionally is uh, very reluctant to uh, including, you know, increasing its own uh, defense capacity or defense budget, uh, or even, you know, like getting itself involved in any kind of a uh, potential regional military conflict. But I think over the last two months, we have seen very clear signs from the Japanese government and from different, you know, from, from the prime minister to the defense minister uh, and to other uh, key uh, ministries inside Japan that, uh, the security of Taiwan is the utmost concern uh, to Japan's uh, security and defense right now. Actually, uh, they have there are new reports and information uh, suggesting that Japan is ready to send uh, defense officials uh, actually be stationed in Taiwan. That is going to be a very big change in its policy. And then there is, of course, also a lot of uh, different kinds of. Uh, alliances that Japan is inserting itself into and also making yes. very strong public statements. So I think the fact that uh, the U.S. is actually able to nudge Japan and get Japan be more actively involved in regional security issues is a sign that uh, the potential growing aggression and also the potential alliance between uh, China and Russia is really raising the concern among the Japanese because uh, they are going to be one of the uh, on the front line, one of the countries on the front line yes. that is going to face a potential alliance like that. And they have, you know, uh, in recent years, uh, rising tensions with both uh, China and Russia. There are disputed uh, territories between Japan and those two countries. And so uh, it will definitely, it, it, it is a, an, I think, expected, but also an encouraging uh, change in transition and uh, shift that we have seen uh, coming from Japan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, William, in the Chinese mind, the takeover of Hong Kong, the way they did it, the fact that Britain with whom they had an agreement, did nothing. And now Hong Kong has really uh, changed dramatically with no British or Western response. Would that, in your view, encourage China? I think it will definitely uh, enhance Beijing's uh, confidence. But also, I think uh, Beijing already kind of, I think, uh, predict that there is not going to be much uh, very real actual, you know, uh, actions coming yes. from Western countries to, uh, I think, condemn or even punish uh, China for anything that uh, it tries to do in Hong Kong, because juris- I-, I think jurisdiction wise, uh, Hong Kong is a yes. part of China. And so even if uh, China is violating its promise in the Sino-British uh, Joint Declaration uh, for, I think, accelerating the pace of uh, removing the autonomy that was promised to Hong Kong. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, all that international community, including uh, the UK, can do is to condemn it uh, by words and maybe impose some form of, of sanctions on uh, officials that are responsible for facilitating that process. But uh, in reality, uh, I think uh, China knows that there is not much that uh, these Western countries can do. And so uh, it is being emboldened by and then it is really accelerating the pace of, uh, I think, uh, you know, in the aligning Hong Kong with Beijing more and more uh, in real in reality. And so I think uh, China is definitely going to further feel confident and also comfortable uh, in asserting its aggression in yes. issues that it views as uh, domestic. But I think uh, when it comes to the issue regarding Taiwan, it knows very well that jurisdiction-wise and internationally, there is some ambiguity and also controversy around whether uh, China does have the legitimacy to claim Taiwan as its uh, own. And so I think that is going to... Uh, uh, postpone or even uh, make Beijing think twice before it takes any actual action uh, in maybe launching more aggressive move uh, towards Taiwan. Yes, because it has been active in the sea. 
that divides Taiwan from China. It has uh, the military maneuvers have been more and more invasive of uh, Taiwanese uh, territory. And am I right in thinking that Taiwan is a much bigger deal for China than Hong Kong was? Yeah, for sure, because of the fact that uh, internationally, no, I think uh, most Western democracies uh, would not just automatically uh, agree and announce that, yes, Taiwan is part of China. Uh, the ambiguity in the so-called China policy in most of these Western countries is that they acknowledge that there is only one rep uh, official and legitimate government that's representing the country called China. But at the same time, they do not, that policy does not extend to the point where they agree that, yes, Taiwan is a part of China. That particular yes. line normally never exists in the uh, China one China policy uh, in most of the Western democracies. And Beijing knows very well about that. And so if uh, it finds a way to either, uh, you know, annex Taiwan at some point in the near future or in the long term uh, through non-military ways, that is going to be viewed as a huge uh, boost of success and legitimacy domestically for the Chinese Communist Party. But it knows very well that uh, the current trend and the current mood over here inside in Taiwan domestically is actually going completely in the complete uh, opposite direction, yes. uh, you know, from, from what they would have hoped for, which is why I think uh, Beijing has uh, reflected their uh, frustration through these uh, growing military aggression and military threat. But you would always see uh, that Beijing would draw a line for itself when it comes to these uh, coercive uh, maneuvering around Taiwan uh, because they know very well that once they cross that red line, considered by most of the Western democracies, then there will be sterner or more unpredictable responses or more, I think, a sympathy given to Taiwan. So that's yes. not what Beijing wants. Now, Phil Davidson was the admiral commanding the U.S. forces in the Indo-Pacific region until last year. And he gave a speech recently in which he suggested that 20, the year 2027 it might be an important year uh, because it's the centenary of the formation of the People's Liberation Army. He also pointed to the fact that President Xi will be seeking to be returned to leadership this year. And he felt that 2027 was a date we should watch out for. Of course, it's um, a little while Away. But is there pressure on Xi within the Chinese Communist Party to do something, quote unquote, about Taiwan? I think that is a very interesting uh, dynamic. Uh, a, a lot of whether uh, Xi Jinping feels the pressure to prove uh, his legitimacy to remain in power through uh, the very complicated uh, issue of Taiwan will have to uh, depend on a lot of different factors domestically. I think the biggest factor is going to be about, uh, China's uh, economic performance because economy is actually all that most Chinese people care about. Yes. As long as there is continued uh, 
economic growth, then、uh, people inside China is not going to、uh, start having frustrations about the government, and they there will be less,、uh, I think, skepticism about the legitimacy of、uh, Xi Jinping to stay in power for、uh, longer than any other leader in、uh, the history of the Chinese Communist Party.、Uh, but at the same time, I think.、Uh, It is Xi Jinping definitely knows very well the risks and the complexity that it, it that、yes. involved in you know an, a potential attack that will be initiated by Beijing. So,、uh, which is why I think、uh, we have not really seen any real sign that、uh, China is ready to make the first strike, but rather it has. You know, it is choosing to use the way of the so-called gray zone tactics、uh, to increase the pressure on Taiwan, and maybe when there is like a slip or like a miscalculation from either side,、uh, it could potentially be、uh, given as a legitimate reason for China to take、uh, further steps. But right now, I think China is waiting for that moment of miscalculation, and、uh, yes. that is also what most of the experts are afraid about. Which is, you know, like, oh,、uh, it's so hard to predict when that miscalculation is going to happen. And with the increased、uh, coercive、uh, actions coming from Beijing, that only enhances the likelihood of that、uh, miscalculation. And can you explain the gray zone concept to me and our listeners? So the gray zone tactic、uh, is uh, typically being described、uh, by most、uh, security experts as China's way of flying its、uh, military military planes into、uh, the. Air defense、uh, identification、yes. zone、uh, in Taiwan—that is considered by Taiwan. And usually, what happens is that、uh, when Chi- whenever there is a Chinese fighter jet、uh, flight that flew into the ADIZ、uh, of Taiwan, Taiwan will send its、uh, fighter jet、uh, to warn off、uh, those Chinese fighter jets. But with the frequency, the increased frequency、uh, of that tactic, basically,、uh, I think in 2020 and 2021,、uh, there were consecutive days or months、uh, where China sent these fighter jets every day into、yes. Taiwan's ADIZ, and the frequency that Taiwan had to dispatch is、uh, military、uh, fighter jets into the air to actually just monitor. It's actually increasing the. Pressure on Taiwan's air force, and at the same time, it's、uh, depriving Taiwan's、uh, air force from other very important trainings because、yes. it spends most of the energy on just dealing with these increased、uh, Chinese aggression. And what the experts are concerned about is the possibility of any sort of、uh, over-the-board、yes. action coming from either side. So, yes, if If there is like a collision、uh, be- between the two sides of、um, military fighter jets, then、uh, that could lead to a much larger、uh, warfare that is、uh, going to involve both sides, and that is very easily going to have a spillover effect、uh, to other regions, especially easily into Japan. So I think、uh, the gray zone tactic is what the、uh, experts consider as China's way to provoke.、Uh, The Taiwanese、uh, side to take any more, you know, riskier、yes. actions. Let me ask you. You mentioned the Chinese economy and its supreme importance. We read today about the COVID outbreak in Beijing. We've read about Shanghai, which is the largest city in China, and 
the problems with COVID there and locking people in their homes uh, and so on. The COVID outbreak appears to have made the Chinese authorities very, very nervous indeed. It's a zero COVID policy. It's a highly risky policy in many ways. What's happened in Beijing and how are they doing in their battle with COVID now? So there has been a re-emergence of a larger uh, infection trend uh, in Beijing just over the last two days. Uh, Originally, Beijing actually relaxed uh, some, you know, uh, restrictions on dining in at restaurants and and also uh, they lifted some restrictions imposed on uh, college campuses because of uh, the protest uh, staged by college uh, students. And so, but, you know, with the re-emergence of uh, the larger number of uh, cases inside Beijing again, they are now targeting hotels and other uh, facilities where people are likely to gather together, uh, you know, for precaution. And uh, in Shanghai, the they are still requ- requiring residents in both uh, Shanghai and Beijing for the, the constant uh, PCR test. And that is uh, really creating some disruption to the functioning and operation of uh, businesses or even just uh, people's daily life, because oftentimes their life is being di- dictated by the amount of time that they have to spend in lining up to get a COVID test yes. uh, to do certain things. And so that is uh, having a huge impact on the Chinese economy. And a lot of the predictions are uh, saying that it is uh, going to be reflected on the Chinese economic uh, performance data uh, later, I, I think, in, in, in the next few months. Uh, it, it has not been completely... I, I think in April, there was already a dip uh, in the... Uh, performance of the Chinese economy. And it it is predicted that the this so-called downward trend is going to continue until China is ready to, uh, you know, pivot away from the zero COVID strategy, simply because uh, the zero tolerance for any local cases that has been uh, practiced or adopted by all local governments inside China uh, has really created challenges for mil- uh, businesses both local and also foreign businesses. And there is also the fear that foreign business owners are going to start uh, looking at options of, uh, you know, emigrating their presence or uh, decreasing their presence inside China and move it somewhere else in Asia. Like Vietnam has uh, been mentioned a couple of times by European businesses as a potential hub for their uh, supply chain in Asia. So uh, that is what I think... uh, in the long term, we have to see what's the scale of the, I think, exodus of these foreign businesses. And that's going to, you know, I think, uh, have a reflection about how serious the uh, challenge that, you know, the zero COVID strategy has put on the Chinese economy. And the timing is not good for President Xi, because in the autumn, he is hoping to, uh, to keep his job. And the, if he does, he will be set to serve uh, longer than Mao Zedong, is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, he is going to become uh, the longest-serving uh, Chinese leader. And so, yeah, obviously, there have been in recent weeks talks about whether the 
outgoing premier, uh, Li Keqiang, is actually using his, uh, he, it, he has a economic uh, background, so using his ability to uh, take over more control in the domestic affairs when it comes to uh, controlling the economic and policies uh, inside China and it, whether that is actually going to create some difficulty for Xi Jinping to have a very smooth uh, transition or, I think, a path to seek his third term. So I think that is a lot of uh, speculations are focusing on that right now leading up to the uh party congress in the fall and i think that is going to be very interesting and a lot of eyes are focusing on that yes and the stakes are really high for everybody how engaged are the chinese people in this process in the idea of president xi making this historic transition and achieving something that uh, even mao zedong uh, did not in terms of longevity? Uh, so China's political uh, structure and system uh, prevents any actual participation from the Chinese people. So uh, there's almost no nothing that the Chinese people can actually do to, to influence uh, this decision. It's all of course, within yes. the infighting and the, uh, of the Chinese Communist Party's different factions. And so it all depends on you know, the most powerful uh, l group of uh, political actors uh, inside the, the Chinese Communist Party to determine uh, how or who they prefer to be the next leader or whether they still think that it's the best idea for Ch uh, the party to keep uh, Xi Jinping as its leader. Okay, well, let's hope that everything is okay with you in Taiwan. Um, a final question about uh, the interest uh, people have in Taiwan about the Russia-Ukraine conflict. So, unfortunately, the uh, general interest uh, in the news uh, about that that is happening in Ukraine has dropped uh, tremendously over the yes. last few weeks. I yep. think that is actually a sign across the world, uh, even in yes, Europe, it is. I think. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the attentions have already been moved on to the recovering or the reopening, uh, you know, uh, saying bye to COVID. Uh, uh, and I, I think a, a lot less uh, interest and attention has been put, put on that. I think uh, especially that initial, uh, I think, connection that Taiwanese people feel uh, about, uh, you know, between yes. uh, Ukraine and Taiwan's fate uh, has definitely waned over time. Uh, and now I think uh, is really going to be hard uh, to draw the attention back unless there is like some very, very dramatic uh, development yes. uh, coming out, out of Ukraine. Otherwise, uh, Taiwanese people probably won't really pay too much attention to what is happening over there. Okay, William, we're very grateful to you as always uh, for joining us. That's William Yang in Taipei. And we're grateful to William, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.